And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. He defined the themes and obsessions of 20th century horror. And as we chug on into the 21st century, it doesn't seem to be going away. He let drop away all the trappings of, nor of what is called horror. And he moved into some narrative peculiar to himself. He invented his own genre, really. Lovecraft tells you about the scale of man in the cosmos. You know, so he is really the most articulate about uh, saying there is an indifference from the ancient gods to man. Lovecraft takes that and up the ante to the cosmos. If you can think of a kind of supernatural horror fiction, it's almost certain that at some point in his career, Lovecraft applied himself to it. And, and, and when he got it right, as he often did, nobody could beat him. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. And this is episode 146, buddy. Yes. And we're cruising. I know. I'm excited about this one. I really am. Um, today we have with us a, another guest. Yes. So it's not just, we're going to do some just us shows so coming up. Coming up, but, but yeah. Um, this man is a writer and actor. He's the director of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Is it just in San Pedro or is it a, a larger organization than that, Cody? Uh, well, the San Pedro was like a, like a franchise office. Unfortunately, the, 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 uh, last one that we did last May, uh, is our last one. We, uh, we lost our license. We oh. partied too hard. Uh, <laughs> so the, I'll say the yeah. ex-director of the, <laughs> yeah, but I fixed their wagons. I moved up to Portland. Not so, yeah. Are you really so in Portland? That, uh, yes, it's it, it's complicated, but yeah, uh, I I moved up there in February. Okay, uh, I, I'm down in I'm down in Los Angeles currently, and I'm down here a lot uh, because I still have family down here. Uh, but uh, yeah, for the most part, Portland's my home. It's it, it's where uh, I, I keep all of my uh, uh, all, all of my ritual ritual accoutrements these days. Your Carlin-esque sure. stuff, yes. Yes. Uh, and, and this man and is the, also. Go uh, ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and the reason why he mentioned that is because there's the HP Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland. Yes, which, which is, is a, still a going concern. To and was a, a resounding success. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I, I finally got to uh, get all of my unanswered questions about Children of the Corn straight from Malachi's mouth. So that was wonderful. <laughs> uh, also, the co-founder of Perilous Press. Yeah. That's correct. Um, yeah. A guy yes. whose work I love, absolutely adore, Cody Goodfellow. Yay! Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. It's good to be here. It's a pleasure and a privilege. Uh, you're someone I've seen around a lot at cons. And, yes. Um, through that, I discovered your writing, and then as, as the podcast has developed, you're a name that kept hitting our... We need to grab this guy. List. To, yeah, every, everybody was like, "You need to talk to Cody. You need to talk to Cody." Smart, wow. funny, and a great dancer out here. Uh, smart, funny, and a great dancer. Yeah. All the right. Trifecta. <laughs> the wow. Trifecta. Um, 
usually we start at a, at a at a place um, with people where I'm always curious about what they were like as kids, like where they sure. grew up, um, what kind of kid. Neil Gaiman described to me once about how he he was the kid under the table at dinners, you know, reading, and, right. and that made perfect sense. And I find it's kind of a good gateway into that person. So tell me about yourself, sir. Sure, sure. Um, well, I mean, if I had to describe myself in one word, I would say I was an angry kid. Um, my, <laughs> well, my, my parents split up when I was three, and uh, then my I lost my father and both of my paternal grandparents when I was seven, and uh, I was I I feel very you know a very different person from that from that child, but uh, that child was kicked out of three preschools and. Uh, uh, no end of uh, endless number of babysitters and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, I remember being really angry and afraid all the time. And, uh, it was, um, uh, around the time that I, well, I was having night terrors and stuff when I was like, like five and six. And then I started watching monster movies on TV. And, uh, those are some of my earliest memories. And right around the time that I discovered that I loved those things, uh, I was able to make this logical leap that uh, the the night terrors that I was having were like bonus monster movies. Yes, uh, my mind was making, and then the night terrors stopped completely, mm-hmm. and I s- began the slow journey to being able to be self possessed and be part of a community and not being a a, 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 a little a, a little violent bitter freak, and uh, it I'm- was. Sorry, I was gonna say to, uh, to Langley, how familiar is this? this is yeah, this, I, it, like one, it's familiar to us, to us both, we, and we then have, two, it's very, it's a, it's a common thread through a lot of creative people, people. that we talk to. Um, yeah. uh, that well, for one thing, I was going to say in, you know, lost in and in, in, in sometimes that rage and right. some, and they, well, they, the, and fear, fear breeds anger. Yeah, you know, so if you're afraid, to the dark side. yeah, you get angry, you know, because that's the only that's the only thing you have, right? You know, fight yeah. or flight. Exactly. Yeah. If you're trying to assert control over what what little you have in your environment and doing it in all the wrong ways, absolutely. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it's funny. I, it always it always just I always have to hang my head when when uh, you know the, there's an obligatory media article or something or a think piece about why people are attracted to horror. Why do people like to be scared? And it's it is a paradoxical question is why would your escapism involve going to a place nobody would want to go to in real life? And yet the obvious, uh, the obvious therapeutic value out of that, out of that paradox, it seems so self-evident, uh, that, uh, it, it, it is, I mean, it does define how sharp that bear that that the that terror that borderline between people that don't get it and people that actually really need it and it and it helps them relate to the the worst parts of real life. Uh, it it took me a long time to recognize how much it had helped me. Uh, when it wasn't until I was was approaching middle age and starting to question, okay, you know the things that you dedicated your entire life to. Okay, this is all I've been I've been chasing after. Have I been wasting my time? What did I get out of this? And then recognizing all my life turning to escapism that was really confrontational uh, has helped me to, to, to deal with reality without checking out of reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. You know, uh, as, as a kid, um, how much of my time was spent fantasizing 
about mm-hmm. just beating this or that person into mm-hmm. a bloody, you know, until they're nothing it's, but a, a quivering mass of goo at my feet. Mm-hmm. And and horror, monster movies, and, and all those types of things helped me. Well, first of all, you know, the monsters became my friends. Yes, I was going to say. And secondly, um, the, you know, the pictures I was drawing, the, the stories I was drawing, whatever, mm-hmm. allowed me to do that without actually doing that. Mm-hmm. That, that came I, later. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once you, once you, you, yeah, you can figure out how to, how to, how to really, you know, take revenge like an adult. But, uh, right. it's, well, it's, it's, it's the, the, having that, that, that fantasy life be a place where you genuinely, you, you, you genuinely come back from it a, a, a healthier person. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. It's, it, it, and it's, and it is, weird how cleansing some of these uh, really torturous, really, really painful stories can be. But uh, I having faced like real grief uh, when I was so young uh, that I didn't know how to process it at the time. Uh, I look at that and I look at people like, you know, grownups uh, now uh, when people freak out on social media, when when we lose a, a celebrity, and celebrities are like this pantheon of uh, uh, of an extra uh, you know extra fantasy life uh, family, and so when one of these people goes, a lot of times you have to wonder, God, I I, I guess this is what what it's like when you've never lost a parent or loved right. or lost. Well, you know, we we live in a culture that is distinctly death adverse. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it used to be that they used to, you know, they would bring the bodies home and right. all that other yeah. stuff, and people were more involved. Now we're a culture that sets it aside, so I think for a lot of young people, when someone dies, it's a real grim reminder for them, right. like that tap on the shoulder kind of right. thing. What, I, right. what, what amazes me, we've talked about this before, is how people personalize celebrity death. Oh, sure. It's yes. like... <laughs> and and it, it kind of drives me nuts. It's like, yeah. did you know him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh huh. Uh huh. He was my funky uncle. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, no, uh, I there was a, uh, a I, I worked at a Barnes and Noble in in Marin County in uh, in uh, the early nineties in ninety four ninety five wow. and uh, Jerry Gar the day that Jerry Garcia died, oh, half oh yeah, half staff called in sick because mm-hmm. they're just gonna. They're just going to stay home and listen to trucking and uh, and and, and uh, double their paycheck on, on their stash. They're going to listen to trucking again. <laughs> their, but, right. Their tie dye ran with their tears. Yes, well, it yeah. was like John Lennon when John Lennon died. That was a big deal. That was a big you deal. You know, yeah, look yeah. at you. Yeah. Stuff, are you going <laughs> It was yeah. Well, yeah. He was he was he was the 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 the, the, the spokesman for 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 an age and 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 Jerry Garcia was definitely the spokesman for this subculture and I was living right in that. Sure. In the uh, in the capital, I mean, I think he he died actually in rehab somewhere else in Marin County. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he yeah he he died recovering from from a cocaine problem, and he was he'd kind of become emblematic of how that whole generation had kind of become sort of a sort of a narcissistic joke, mm-hmm. and it was so hard not to talk shit. <laughs> it was so murderously hard. I, I understood how these people be were like, "Oh, Jerry, you never even saw him at Whole Foods. Shut up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I did say because I wanted it. I, I was still buying weed from these people. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a friend who prides himself on being the first one on Twitter with a with an inappropriate joke when someone dies. <laughs> <laughs> I, the first time, mean, what I when I was in high school when uh, when the Challenger blew up, and the first I heard of it, I went into the locker room and somebody asked me what NASA stood for. <laughs> and I and I went what need another seven astronauts like <laughs> and our PE teacher told us yeah yeah it's so what, grim- color, what color were Sally Ride's eyes oh shut up yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah the uh, uh, the day after Jerry Garcia dies this was uh, the way I guess that how the universe thought it would correct itself I get a phone call from a friend of mine that I was in college with. We worked at a college radio station. We interviewed bands and all kinds of stuff. We were, we were huge industrial fanatics. And uh, our favorite band was Skinny Puppy. Hey. And we, we'd, we'd uh, met up with them a couple times. We made T-shirts and, and stuff like that. We got to be at least sort of cozy. They, they offered uh, to hide us in their basement if the Gulf War ever actually came to a draft. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they, uh, uh, after they broke up in 94... In uh, two of them moved back up to Vancouver, and one of them, whom we knew really well, and who's only two years older than us, uh, Dwayne Gettle, uh, died at his home of a heroin overdose. And this was after their recording contract with American blew up, and uh, Rick Rubin or, or the, whatever producer was handling them was was just terrorizing this guy on the phone. And, you know, he died at his parents' house. He was like two years older than us. We'd actually met him, and my friend calls me and tells me, breaks the news to me, yeah, Dwayne died. And um, I was genuinely stricken. I mean, I I I'd hung out with the guy four years before, and he was a really sweet guy. And he struck me as a kid, a little bit older than us. And it was it was genuinely tragic. And I went to my boss and I said, "Hey, uh, a guy I, I knew in in my favorite band just died. Um, uh, I'd like to take the day off." And he's like, "What's what's the name of the band?" And I went, um, "They're called Skinny Puppy." And he went, "Wow." You went a long way to 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 make fun of the Jerry Garcia thing. He yeah. accused me of making up Dwayne Gettle and Skinny Puppy and a celebrity death to try and get the day off when I usually would just pretend I had the shits and nobody would ask any questions. And I so it was it was and it was really weird at the time because the internet wasn't yet a thing that you could actually go away. Oh, See, Skinny Puppy is actually a thing that exists. Right. And uh, it was. It was funny and weird to me because when you know Prince dies or David Bowie dies or somebody who's a, who's an icon, pretty much universal, and everybody feels diminished. Everybody feels like suddenly we must be in some broken parallel universe. Damn you, Kern! You know, uh, uh, but it it's weird when when it's when it means something to everybody and everybody shares it. But what if it's just you? Right, right. You know, when 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 it's just yours. Uh, well, and it's like the mist effect. Uh, I, I, you know, the you, when you feel like Thomas Jane, when you realize, yes, yeah, sixty seconds longer, and I would have realized it's not the end of the world, asshole. Just yeah. the end of your yeah, world. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, yeah? It's funny that we're uh, well, not funny, but it's 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 uh, funny. appropriate, but, yeah, I guess, that, that we're that we're talking about this because I was thinking about this the other day. David Bowie and Prince die, and right. and it's and it's. I, I, because of who they are, it's kind right. of like, oh, some celestial being, di- you know, like some weird god, you know, died, yeah. right? Bracing for the impact on this one. But then right. Tom Petty dies, yeah, and it's yes. like your best, 
the guy you hung out with yeah, 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 in, yeah. In, in high school. You know, it's like yeah. one of you, you know. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like for some reason uh, I feel, and and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like people are taking Tom Petty's death harder because right. he's more human. He's He's more accessible to them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I totally get that because, uh, well, Petty, well, Petty's, it's, 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 it's a mad, it's understandable how Petty, how, how Petty is the way he is. Bowie's like a, yeah, like a, like a visiting alien. Uh, right. and so, and, and so, or, or, or Prince is just such a freaking weirdo that it's hard to figure out how Prince is. He, he, you know, he, he just washed up on the shores of the Mediterranean on a, on a shell one day. Uh, whereas as, as Petty and I think the kind of music I, I think of all the times and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really a huge rock guy. Uh, but of course that music in that age was omnipresent. Uh, and so I think of, you know, keggers and, and riding in cars, looking for, looking for parties and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, running down a dream or American girl, uh, or you got lucky and stuff like that. We're just part of that soundtrack, part of that that sure. that environment and that yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. the way, I, 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 yeah. and, and and as we said before, we went on air. We go off into the weeds. Yeah, we're American, there now. <laughs> I, I Ameri- live in the weeds, man. American girl. Help me find my double wide. <laughs> American girl. Yeah. That first line. She was an American girl raised on promises. Uh-huh. Yeah. That shows Petty's genius because that's a very simple line and it says a lot of stuff in it true yeah true true I, and it's uh, yeah and he had yeah he's one of the songwriters that had a real genius for uh for saying a lot without going going big and making it i mean this is something that eluded springsteen a lot of springsteen stuff is just very on the nose just very saying what you, what you felt right. and 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 petty would find a very sly way of telling you a story Right. That would that would uh, that would have uh, have a lot of layers, uh, and and he was great on the Gary Shandling show. <laughs> There's uh, uh, I want to go back to something um, we were talking about earlier about finding this stuff and being a kid of rage. I think that sure. it's it's Im- it's important for kids like that because it a lot that this kind of uh, work that we're talking about it lets them sit be- slip behind the wheel. Right, a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, maybe bend their their moral center as that happens. You know, look at Frankenstein. You right. empathize with the monster, but then in the end, it doesn't turn out so well. Right, 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 right. Um, so, yeah. so there's that. And clearly, uh, you were a reader. Mm-hmm. Growing oh, up. very well gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. I, I used to find like refuge in books dur- uh, with the with with the insanity in my growing up happening around me. Books right. was at least I knew there was some order there. Absolutely. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, no books and, and, and libraries were, were a sanctuary and a refuge. Um my my mother was a elementary school teacher and uh for, for several years I went to the school that uh that she taught at and it was it was in a really tough neighborhood. I was the only white kid in my class and I was a teacher's kid. Uh, mm-hmm. so I was, I was kind of, a, I was kind of a double secret, uh, target for bullies. And, uh, I hung out in the library at, at lunch and every chance I got, I worked in the library in junior high school. I, I wormed my way into, to, uh, uh, going on the book trip where you buy all the paperbacks for the following year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And like from like seventh grade on, I made damn sure that our, our library had all the Lovecraft and all the Ellison and all the Dick and, all the all the Fafford and Gray Mouser books and all that good stuff. So, 
uh, yeah, books were, I mean, movies were, were a very immediate thing and had this word, a weird way of mirroring my dream life. But starting at, you know, age three, uh, when my mom claims, um, and this could just be to pad her education resume that, uh, that I was, that I was reading, uh, chapter books on my own. Mm, nice. um, but I was, yeah, I was a voracious reader, and that was something. I mean, even though it was a single-family home in the in the seventies, and she was just a public school teacher, but yeah, books were something she'd always make an allowance for. I, uh, with with that in mind, I'm interested mm-hmm. when you were a, a kid and, I, and and realizing that kid means different levels. Like you know, sure. there's you know, the really young kid, and then I like the, a twenty year old, the adolescent kid. kid. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it depends. Yeah, it depends on what party, what political party you're running in. Yeah, I right, was just right. kid. I was only forty nine. <laughs> what author hey. uh, lit your fire first? Ooh, well, you know, that's the elementary school that I was going to. I uh, I, I was in a in a class with this teacher who um, I complained about the quality of the reading books, and so she gave me the book that she had just finished reading, uh, which was The Shining. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I read, I, I read The Shining over uh, Christmas Vacation when I was uh, eight. Yeah, and then I finished that, and uh, I'm like, yeah, that was great. Got more, and she gave me the stand. So, uh, yeah, I got, and I read that for uh, for Easter, and so yeah, my my hunger for that kind of stuff was uh, was was very uh, it, it was it was richly rewarded and indulged. Um, also because it, it, it just kept me quiet and kept me out of trouble. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my, my mom never got on my case about anything I was reading. Uh, the only thing she ever confiscated me from me was like an underground comic, like, like, you know, fabulous furry freak brothers when I was like, <laughs> well, which was hilarious because all through the seventies, I, I was, I was reading those at whatever weird place we were, we were partying, sure. uh, uh, for a whole weekend and like in Palm Springs and, uh, there were there were drunk people with uh, coke in their mustaches shooting pumpkins with shotguns outside. Uh, <laughs> it's like now you're taking it from me. Yeah. It hit me, mom. But uh, the um, the stuff that really, yeah, I I I, I was turned on to Stephen King. Uh, probably, uh, I'm sure Steve would say much too early, uh, like age seven. Uh, in I started reading, you know, some science fiction, whatever I could find at the used bookstore uh, or at Barnes and Noble. I turned on to Lovecraft when I was twelve. Uh, oh, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> I, I wanted to. I wanted to ask: Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember there was a fabulous Furry Freak Brothers um, right. issue or, or comic that referenced? It was the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. But it was the fabulous furry freak brothers. Oh shit! No, <laughs> Uh-oh. that was my introduction, and I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm in. Fuck! <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, exactly. I, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Garfield. <laughs> I have. I, I just got that big Treasury edition of of ever, of of the whole of the whole run, and I haven't re- uh, gotten into it yet. But now you you've given me Dude, new uh, new inspiration. Is, I didn't know. Is, yeah, there, and I, I wish I could remember more about it, but wow. <laughs> I was really excited when I saw that. I was like, Harry Houston and Underground Comics? I oh, my God, that's that's amazing. I'm, yeah, I'm one of those people that was more excited about uh, about the, the prospect of that, of that Freak Brothers movie. 
than about yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a live action hero or anything else. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? Did, did like it just it, it it was a rumor and then it went away. Yeah, it 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 just yeah. It, I I think it got up to the point where yeah, there's going to be an Indiegogo campaign and it's going to happen. But I think it's one of those things, kind of like, have you guys ever seen that uh that trailer for uh, uh Moebius's uh, Incal? No. Hmm. But you know, but you know the graphic novel, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a, like a two minute trailer where somebody did the animation and it's and it's it is just real live breathing Mobius. It's really? you could. Wow. Yeah, you could string you could string strings and play your boner like a banjo after Holy seeing. <laughs> and I saw it. I put it up on Facebook, and everybody I knew freaked out. And uh, and and then I did some research and realized, oh, this thing's like like five or six years old. Oh, wow. It's a proof of concept thing, but it never it never came to fruition. Well, you know, still could. I have a friend who did a uh, did a uh, 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 Sandman uh, trailer. Right. Uh, wow. and, the, endless, uh, the gaming thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And, but they did it without permission. Oh, wow. Well. And uh, they were trying to raise money to do something, and then boom, bam. They, oh, they, yeah. Yeah, they got shut down I bet that cease and desist landed hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, Neil Gaiman, yeah, Neil Gaiman's pretty zealous about protecting his, his, his backyard and, and Warner Brothers, so, and yeah. And it's too bad, because the, the, the shit that they... These guys made was really you know, badass. King does right. the whole dollar babies thing, where if you're going to make, does he still? I, I've heard. Yeah. I, I saw it on his site. He he says that if if you make a short film based on one of his short stories and you don't make any money on it, he'll only charge charge you a dollar for the rights. Right, right, right. And I love that. Yeah. that's how Frank Darabont got. got started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a list. Yeah, have you guys seen Survivor Type? Yes, mm-hmm. I've not seen it, but I love that story. Somebody made that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a fantastic flick. Uh, it's it's intense. It's really brutally intense. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's I saw it, it was floating around like Facebook the last couple of weeks. Damn, so, I'm gonna okay, I'm yeah, gonna look that up there. because that that would be badass. How big was TV in your life? Like how, you were, was, were you? I'm TV, sorry. Were, how big was TV in your life? Were oh, you a yeah, TV it, kid? It, it was huge. Uh, it was it, it was a it was a major uh, influencer on my behavior. I mean, I uh, yeah, I, I grew up watching Twilight Zone every day, and uh, some of my earliest memories are watching TV. Some, I, I I remember watching uh, uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, the original with Kim Darby. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the Gargoyles TV movie. Yeah, uh, uh, when Michael calls was a really spooky. Yeah. The one that they did. The TV, all the Dan Curtis the one, stuff. The, the, one always, the one that always occurs to me is, is Trilogy of Terror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I didn't good yeah, stuff. see that back in the day, but yeah, uh, Burnt Offerings and uh, yeah. Dark yeah. Secret of Forest Home. And uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. It was, but it was, uh, yeah, it was weird how, or I mean, I, I guess it's weird now. It was perfectly normal then, but, you know, fantasy, of course, was something so damped down and so, so remote. You're looking at it through a series of, it, it's like, a, it's another planet you're looking at through a series of telescopes, uh, trying to find, you know, a, a, a comic shop or a, or a liquor store that carries Warren comics mm, or, right. uh, or, or go, wangling away to go over to your friend's house who has HBO when there's a really good moving on. Uh, those things were so hard to come by, and you really had to hang hang your ears out, uh, hang an ear out for any sort of any sort of word 
you know, and Fangoria when it first came out was every every two or three months or something. Uh, I remember getting the mm -hmm. TV guide. And yeah. The, oh yeah. The day it arrived, you'd go through the highlighter, dude, and uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yes. I used to cut out. I used to cut out the things that I wanted to watch. And yes. Tape them to the refrigerator. <laughs> and uh -huh. I, I've already. I'm not going to bore you with the story, but that's how I became one. Right. Uh, hateful of politics uh. <laughs> and two, hateful of Republicans in general. Oh, uh, wow. was, was that was a thing. <laughs> was because of was because of something that happened involving a Ray Harryhausen movie that was going to be playing at four o'clock in the afternoon on WGN when right. it wasn't a, a cable channel. Wow. Uh, and wow. then and and then it got preempted by some shit by God. fucking Watergate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about the future of the country? We're talking Ray. Look, I'm oh seven God. years old, yeah, no. and I want to see fucking dinosaurs and Raquel oh, Wells. You kind of did. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, no, I was, I, I, I had, a, I had a couple of moments like that, like when uh, Thunder. I remember or the whole Saturday morning lineup got preempted because of the fucking papal election. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa, God, yeah. Fuck, I forgot so about they, that. So they said, yeah, hey, sorry, you, you kids that just ate a whole frucking box of Lucky Charms. <laughs> and instead, we're going to look at a chimney yeah. and, and learn to hate adults and everything that they stand for and believe in. I hate, I hate Jesus. <laughs> they, were, they preempted it to show that, yeah, the smoke oh, is... I remember, I, oh, my God, I remember that, the, the smoke oh, yeah, changing color. That was like a huge... Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, if you don't mind me asking, how old of a guy are you? Uh, I'm 47. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I, yeah. It, it, it is. It, isn't, it, isn't it funny how those 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 public events? And I think it was more cryptic and weird because I mean, when we were when we were kids, because of course media was was so much more. It was coming down just one of a handful of funnels. Uh, I grew up with three network stations and one independent station yeah. that was that had a souped up transmitter over in Tijuana. And so <laughs> so you could actually pick them up on the on the radio. And so it was cool. I'd watch Disaster Peace Theater and they'd show like Shriek of the Mutilated on Saturday night. Nice. And you could listen to it. You know, it's simulcast. Uh, <laughs> simulcast. Yeah. That, I hear you man. That was how that was how easy it was to, to so be living so La yeah. in those days. But among the three of us, we're all within a ten-year range sure. of each other. Right? Um, do Do you remember? Um, one, I don't know why this came to mind, but sure. Uh, how important to you as learning, as far as learning things goes, was Schoolhouse Rock? Oh I, wow! I still use that stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the 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 uh, of course the 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 uh, how the, the how a bill becomes a law yeah, thing, right. and and yeah, the the grammatical stuff. I mean, I as a, as an avid reader, and uh, my my mom being a teacher, she didn't really grammar police me a lot, but uh, I I was I became a compulsive self speller. Well, yeah, I went through a phase when I was in like second grade where every any word I heard that I that I couldn't spell, I would I, that I had that I wasn't familiar with, I would spell it in my head and sure. and stuff like that. And so yeah, that that kind of stuff was really yeah really really uh, substantive to me. I, I also remember like on Saturday mornings, 
uh, on CBS, they would have like 30 second news bits stuck in uh, with the commercials. Sure, sure. sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Linda Ellerby did had a whole thing where she'd come on and go, "This is why Watergate is important." Exactly. I remember. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, a a King Kong one. Right, where, really? where they were like, you know, uh, stop motion animation, Willis O'Brien, King Kong. Wow, look at like that. in 30 seconds. See, I remember the cartoon, and, and we used to say, King Kong, King Kong, King Kong, who knows the tale of King Kong? He has a rubber ding-dong, <laughs> ten times as big as a man. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm I, wrote, I, I did a goth magazine, so lolly, 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 get your adverbs here was really important. <laughs> well, well <laughs> right. Re- the reason why the reason why I mentioned that is just yes. is just because um, I, it, it's occurred to me uh, in recent history how right. important something like Schoolhouse Rock was and right. how difficult it would be today, where you know there is no you know one block of you know this is your one block of children's entertainment Saturday mm-hmm. mornings, sure uh, TGIF. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where where there was like, you knew that that one time during the week, this one thing was going to happen, so you tuned yeah. in. Whereas now, shit's available to you all over the place, so sure. no one tunes in mm-hmm. because yes, yeah. it's so scattered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Everything, yeah, everything was uh, these the, these these portals that yeah, in, in time and space were were a lot more uh, a lot more narrow. Uh, I remember the agony of having to go on a camping trip when I knew Destroy All Monsters was playing on Disaster. Right? Theater. Yeah. And <laughs> because of and, that goddamn TV guide. Yeah, and and uh, and just yeah, sweeping up to my great aunt who had a TV in their camper and like, you can't even pick up San Diego. All right, fuck you. I lied. I don't like you. <laughs> but did did you have a horror host? Uh yeah yeah well Disaster Peace Theater had Sal U Lloyd, <laughs> and they used That's to do awesome. he would do sketches he would do wacky interviews like Borton like not quite like almost like Uncle Floyd stuff where it was almost a cargo cult of a of a of a real horror show but really uh not very I mean instead of being the uh, like a like a goofy like a you know Sven type of a corny guy with a lot of puns and everything he was riffing on the jaded muso uh, film school guy and okay. so he he was wearing like a <laughs> narrow narrow tie and he, and he chain smoked and stuff like that and so it was kind of making fun of serious cinema and yet they would put in they would have they would put in funky uh they would have funky uh uh, uh riffing on the on the movies run in in text underneath the film a couple times they would cut in like wacky like like Betty Boop cartoon yeah. stuff remember Gularty used to do that yeah. stuff i i i when it uh, comes, Elvira does it too when i was when it comes yeah. to horror host i'm jealous of tom because tom had Bob Wilkins. Bob Wilkins. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And See, Bob Wilkins showed me that it was okay, that normal people could be into this shit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sure. was really it, my guy because I lived in Illinois was Svengulli. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. So right. I had you know to put up with the crazy makeup and the rubber chickens and and all of that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I yeah the first yeah the first I I encountered that I mean aside from reading about other uh, reading about the, the horror hosts in Fangoria was was like SCTV with uh, sure 
Yeah, with with the guy making fun of it. Ooh, blood! But, uh, I love Count Floyd. Yeah, hey, Count yeah. Floyd is great. I, yeah, I did watch uh, 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 Elvira whenever I got a chance because Elvira was on like Channel Nine in Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. long time. And uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what was the name of the the Kids in the Hall version of that where Manservant oh. Heculus. Oh, oh, the, the Pit of Ultimate Darkness? Yeah, the Pit of Ultimate Darkness. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. I ended up getting in like a, a, on, on a Hecubus tangent uh, uh, at a gathering not uh, not too long ago, and yeah, I had to pull that up. <laughs> evil! But, yeah, yeah. I, I just remember evil, evil, <laughs> impolite and evil. <laughs> yes, I love yeah. that stuff. And it was yeah, and that was that was such a great riff on 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 just goths when you're just I'm gonna pledge my I'm gonna pledge my ordinary life to being to being magical and evil and uh, so what does that entail? Well, well, remember remember goth talk on SNL when when that came out that came out oh my god my inbox blew up people were going people were going oh this is you. no not really no, no, no. that ain't me You're like you ain't, you don't get it yeah right. Um, right. Yes. I'm curious. I'll, uh, I, I'm finishing up on all the Bedrock stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. So, as, as the years were going by and puberty hitting all that other stuff, at what point did all of this stuff come together and you go, this is how I'm going to earn my keep. I'm gonna, how I'm going to make my living. Some people are plumbers. Some people are this. I'm going to be a writer. Right. Right. Uh... I well, by the time I was in I, I was in high school, I was working at our uh, at our, uh, uh, on our TV new, uh, closed circuit newscast and uh, uh, making you know goofy music videos and stuff with with my camera, and I wanted to go into screenwriting uh, and and make films. And growing up in San Diego, you are convinced that well, and you're probably right that every weekend there's a thousand a thousand time a thousand things a hundred times cooler than the best thing going on in your town, which you can't even find most weekends, uh, up in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it's this brain drain where every every really good band goes up there that blows up and stuff from San Diego, and they, they you know, by proxy become L.A. bands. Uh, and so I went to UCLA uh, to study film, and the, literally the day that I got there in the spring of 89, they did away with the undergraduate film production major. Oh. Uh, they they ceded, completely ceded that territory to USC, and uh, and and so I kind of floundered around for a couple of years trying to figure out what the hell to do uh, for a major, and kind of ended up surrendering and, and getting an English degree. And okay. uh, uh, but by the time I was I had finished college, I was pretty disenchanted with the with the film industry. I'd, I'd seen enough of it, and I had a, a, a buddy who went into the graduate screenwriting major, and he lasted three weeks, and I'm like, they're teaching us how to make Big Macs. Um, <laughs> at the time, in the film studies classes that I was taking, uh, all of the professors were warning us that uh, now that corp- that was right around when corporations were all buying studios. That was right when Sony, you know, took over Columbia and right. uh, all of these, all these, all these uh, film studios were becoming an appendage of uh, a multinational multimedia corporation. And, uh, what's now Time Warner and, 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 and Disney had just bought Paramount or uh, Paramount, but hadn't bought yet bought ABC. Uh, so these things were starting to happen to create and and what they were teaching in in the screenwriting classes that existed were how to make this this film the kind of film that would succeed in this environment which is a very risk averse really the kind of strange environment 
where we're that we're living in now and seeing in its fruition where we're seeing the result of, of 20 years of, of corporate studio stuff. And that's why we get these very odd films that strive to uh, not piss anybody off. And, and, and you, so you get these oddly these, these films that feel like an odd mix of what should be really great, but somehow just isn't. And yet you can't put your finger on why you didn't enjoy it. But damned if you didn't see it twice before you even started to question whether whether it was the uh, the best thing ever. All the right. Marvel stuff, all yeah, the yeah, superhero yeah. stuff. We, all the... We've talked about this where it, it, it's it's antiseptic. It's it's like it's salve. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. It's like... and it and it and it's very oddly responsive to criticism. I mean, once uh, Marvel had soaked up a lot of the the online feedback about how their their superhero films kind of didn't seem to have much uh, humanity to them. It's just it's kind of a rote uh, a, a, a rote flowchart uh, flow sort of a, sort of a deal. And then the Guardians of the Galaxy two film came out, which just there must have been. Uh, Post-it notes, uh, the size of a the size of a Cadillac hood that said "more feelings." Right. Uh, yeah, 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 and so yeah. the ways that they the way and 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 more Easter eggs and the ways that they try to head off uh, uh, criticism. Uh, critic, I really like um, uh, uh, Vince uh, Vince Mancini over at uh, Film Drunk. Uh, calls this phenomenon uh, fantasy studio executives, uh, <laughs> folks that follow. Yeah online because the, because that information is so available and this more than just the prevalence of media or you know you can watch your favorite show anywhere anytime on anything it's the the way that the entertainment industry has become where so much of every everybody lives so much of their headspace uh much more than than before it uh it was it was unthinkable it, it, you'd, you'd have to read like every celebrity magazine and watch every every uh, every Hollywood minute on the news. You know, th- I think that's the the best description. Even in, in even in entertainment town, uh, the local news would have a Hollywood minute. Sure, now sure. local news has a Hollywood program. Right, right. Uh, well, look at the course correction on the new Thor. Right. Sure. That sure. that is yeah. whiplash inducing. The way they they took that weird left that left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, and some of those choices might actually accidentally bear some amazing stuff. I think, and that's and that's an interesting thought is that this uh, the Hollywood machine has to be more responsive to fans and what and what geeks are saying, you know, geek influencers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look and, at the influence of Rotten Tomatoes. In right, a day, right. In a day, it can a film contain. Dude, it's so it's so crazy. Like um, my partner's mother, who's in her seventies gauges whether or not she's going to watch a film based on what Rotten Tomatoes says. Sure. Wow. It's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the absence of any other, yeah, in the absence of any other input, it will influence you. It's it's really hard to walk past a bunch of movies that actually manage to get four stars, even though you can imagine what kind of groundlings are making those decisions on Netflix. uh, When there's one that has two, it's like, wow, that must have really pissed off a lot of stupid people that actually define themselves by how many movies they've rated on Netflix. Right. Um, it's yeah, it's it, it it's it's weird how our relationship to those things happens. But the the big studio films, in being responsive to criticism, have to uh, if if the if the criticism is well, yeah, it just feels like that film was made by committee, or it feels like it was just thought up by the by the the AI that they shut down at the end of War Games. They just warmed it up again and went, yeah, give us a tentpole. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that if their response to that is to, well, we need to get out there and we need to take chances, then we'll take the, you know, these guys that have 
made their bones on one indie film. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is like, uh, it, it's, it's, you're fiddling with the budgets that, you know, we used to put into our space program when we cared about it. Look at the, they, the Deadpool was almost like a, Oh, okay. They, right. the people right. want right. it. Oh, okay. And then it was a surprise. Hit. It, was a, it was a big hit. Yeah. 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 You know, it was really alarm. The, the last really alarming revelation, uh, to me in films about the, the direction that, that things were going was, uh, I think I went to see uh, amazing Spider-Man two and there were like eight or nine trailers and four of them, used the trope of the White House in the cornfield. And I think almost all of them also used <laughs> and the black and then the black escalades come. And it was like Logan, uh trans whatever Transformers movie was up at that time. Right. Uh Avengers Two and I forget even what the fourth film was. It might have been Interstellar. But they yeah, they all they all used th- that same that same trope and it was weird how the vocabulary of film can be reduced down to these the, you know, pre-hand, pre-made playing cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the well, government well, arrives, and when the government arrives, they have to arrive at night with a bunch of helicopters and scare the shit out of everybody, like like a rival, right. even, even to come to that to a certain degree. Um, the last thing I saw that riffed on that kind of in, interestingly, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it for you if you haven't watched season one of Westworld, but uh, the robots did it, and. <laughs> <laughs> The one guy, the one guy that acts like a robot. It turns out he's a robot. But when he finds out that his dead child, who was his sole root note for his whole character motivation, I'm melancholy because I had a child die of dead child syndrome. And then when he finds out that his that his remembrances, the flashback scenes of the child dying in the hospital of the weird disease that just makes them look look like goths. Uh, was a staged thing that was created to give him that motivation. Um, I wanted to, I felt like I was giving that show more credit than it was due in thinking that was a really incredibly clever riff on how prefabricated a lot of the motivations are in a lot of, in a lot of studio films and how they're, it, it's reduced down to a flow chart where it does feel like an AI underneath uh, Cheyenne Mountain. Is, is writing these things because they're too expensive to trust any one human being. Right. Well, look at the uh, thing—the change in the um, the the, uh, the Han Solo movie. They yes. They, they hired a few guys. They started to shoot stuff. The studio looked at it and said, "Yeah, no." Right. Right. Exactly. Came out and, and put you someone know, who they knew could play by the rules, and that's Ron Howard. You know. Right. Uh, and yeah, Ron Howard is where is is where properties is where properties go to uh, to. Uh, <laughs> To die. Along right, right, right. Moby Dick off the ground. For <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it weird that we got exactly this? You could you could picture, you could taste in your mouth exactly the sort of shit sandwich that Dark Tower was going to be as soon as you oh, heard sure. the, the, the sure, block. sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 a movie that I was so looking forward to, right? Because the story was so great was um, Heart of the Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. That's what I'm saying. And yet, and, and and yet, when you get there, it's like, God damn it! Yeah, yeah. It's like that happens so much. You know, I can tell you now. Yeah. We watch a lot of trailers on this show, and so yeah, we, we see a lot of trailers. And, <laughs> and you look at it, and yeah. you, there's I can't tell you how many times of the 35 in a week that I'll watch, I'll go, I don't need to see this. I don't need to see this. Is everything that you you don't need to be a genius to see where we're right. Where, to be honest, you know. uh, the, the trailer sure. crop that we have for today, there's one movie that. I... <laughs> 
<laughs> what a seed yeah, out, out of that bunch. <laughs> that suck balls. I mean, if that's if, if that's an assortment that you that you had any hand in, in in picking, going okay, this one looks good, versus just the whatever they 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 drop in front well, of you. There's ones that that like you think should be you know mm-hmm. they should be well, there, there's an art in fact we're going to do a show coming up uh, with a guy who cuts trailers yeah, yeah, yeah. and and there's an art to that yeah uh, yes well, there is it's it's pretty and, amazing. And it, 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 the weird thing is, my lift driver in portland his brother his brother cuts trailers and he's like yeah he's not allowed to say which ones he cut or he, or he'll tell me yeah i cut that one but don't say anything and it's so funny in an industry where everybody is uh is a star the trailer who cuts the trailer it is one of those weird little anomalous secrets because it is kind of a dirty secret right right yeah Yeah, exactly pure manipulation yeah yes in in, in a construct that's already manipulative they've they've now figured out stuff like this cord will bring about this emotion and oh my god how many how many how many trailers do we have to see with that Yeah, but wow. even but even in the film, it, it's designed to like right here is where every like exactly. at least th- two thirds of the audience is going to well up because yes, we've colored it right, we've lit it right, right. the music is right, we killed the puppy, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and it's all yeah, it's all very very yeah, it, it's all designed for maximum manipulation. I'm not going to say yeah. Uh, it, it it lacks like the great humanity that that Louis B. Mayer used to bring to MGM right. production. Mm-hmm. Oh my you God! Know. Do you guys remember the Close Encounters of the Third Kind trailer? Yeah, it was literally just the 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 yellow lines in the road. Yeah, that's all you need. Right. That's all you. That's all it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I remember when you had a Super Eight kind of tried to recapture that, but yeah, yeah. yeah trailers, trailers. Now we're we we're been through this through this phase where. Uh, we're even. We've even lost. Stopped complaining. That yeah, the trailer basically spells out the whole film and makes mm-hmm. makes seeing the film kind of like a fait accompli. Often, often tells you the the ending. The of ending the, well, yeah. it, it, it kind of all harkens back to. We've talked about this on the show before, but the what I call the plot deck of cards. You know, the trailer right. is that we have a guy who is bad with women and right. he meets a girl, and and as you're dealing off that deck, you can see it all hitting the table in the Absolutely. trailer. Oh yeah! If you're if you're ever, it it never fails. Whenever I'm on a long flight and and the movie is something I don't I I, I want to ignore. It's it's the it's the romantic comedy with uh uh the like like the Grey's Anatomy lady. Uh, right, it'll have her and Gerard Butler, her but and Paul Rudd like each other. And it's weird how when you're not watching the movie, because like I, I, I won't have the headphones on or anything, but every once in a while you glance out the corner of your eye and you see it on somebody else's headrest, and you know where the film is going, and you feel, you're looking out the window and you're like, God, we're only halfway through this flight. It feels like it's been an hour, and then you <laughs> they're not even to her family, and the awkward grandma hasn't even given the the the, the surprise. Oh, wait, there she right. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's like, oh, we're the, at the, the part where he should have said something, but he didn't. And yes. Now, <laughs> yes, we're not even to the come to Jesus scene. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> and it's yeah, the, the, you you realize how it's it's keeping yeah keeping time, and it's it's weird. Uh, of course, every experience I've ever had with with either trying to get a film produced or or working on or on one or anything has just reaffirmed my love for literature. 
and uh, uh, and how because you know of course it's not a question of can you get it financed can you get it made can you get it produced it's it's can they stop me because I'm you know I'm I'm all by myself in the dark but I don't even have to put on pants uh, to do this to do this do this thing and you can do literally anything that you can figure out how to how to frame words around uh, and so yeah it is it, it it's it, it never stops. They never stop finding new ways to make it more maddening uh, when when these films get made and they have all the ardor that we used to put into our space program, and yet they they feel so odd and flavorlessly manipulative. I don't know where you guys fall on the Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a little long, but immersive. And yeah. um, uh, uh, I think we tend to look at like the original people look at it like they're like they're like gaiju films where people look sure. at things and they go oh i love this thing and nothing can touch it right perfectly serviceable i yeah. have not seen it yet so i'm so reserving, there you go. reserving oh. comment I won't, I won't trash it too much but like i mean i'm i'm not a very sophisticated guy i'm 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 not a cineast my my three favorite films uh all came out in the summer of 82 uh, it, it, the thing and Blade okay. Runner and the Road Warrior, and I snuck, I snuck into all three of them. I watched I watched the Road Warrior on the roof of my grandparents' lumberyard, which was next door to a drive-in, and I, I I got dropped off to see Megaforce, and these guys came out of the theater, and we were standing in an empty, we were the only two idiots in an empty line in a rope line out in front of this theater to go see Megaforce, and these these two guys came over clearly lit. And one guy's like, "Little dudes, you're gonna shit your pants." This guy's head came off, and, <laughs> and all this other stuff. And, and and then and then they walked off. We're like, that they didn't just see Megaforce, did they? And so, you know, we, we snuck in there, and I I gotten pretty good at it. I got dropped off to see Popeye, and I saw I, I saw Ghost. I mean, not uh, Scanners instead. There and, you go. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. I, Two films that are often confused. Yes, yeah. And ghost. I don't know the difference. Uh, I, 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 I managed to convince my mom. I mean, it, that was that was the trick is getting getting into R rated movies when you were when you were a kid was an art form back in the day. Sure, oh, yeah. Uh, I my I took advantage of my parents having a fight once when my mom was like, well, "Let's get out of here. I don't care where we go." We ended up seeing Children of the Corn. Yeah. Uh, when I was nine, my mom went on a Europe trip, and the agent, you know, uh, her, her agent who booked the, her on the package tour is just part of a desperate just way to get her out the door, uh, told her, and I'll take your son out. I spent that summer at my grandparents' house, and by the end of it, I had a facial tick. That's how fun my grandparents were. <laughs> but, uh, but, but Honey, the travel agent, uh, I think this person was born in 1971. Her name was Honey, and she was a travel agent. Uh Took me to uh, took me out on on one one night she picked me up at my grandparents and took me out to any movie I wanted to see and so we went and saw a double feature of Maniac and Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah right yeah. and <laughs> Maniac was on first and the crazy part is that we sat through all of Maniac with a nine year old and then it wasn't until uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre started up and the guy and the and the you know at the the vandalized graveyard scene she goes. This is just more of the same, isn't it? And then we um, You should go. Yeah, but I, I talked my mom into going to see Children of the Corn, and somehow we stayed through the whole thing. And it was that that I mean, getting 
into even into that world where you could see those kinds of things was so transgressive when I was a kid that it probably provided at least 50% of the thrill before you even get to see whatever the hell you ended up seeing. You know, you know how I saw so much of what I saw when I was a kid was what? I had I had a, a a sister who was six years older than me, yeah. and therefore was going on dates. Oh, uh, and so hey, I'll bring Langley. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Dude, while she was making out somewhere, I, I was on the hood of the car watching yeah. Squirm yeah. and Torso. Yes. Because there were real horrors going yes, on inside exactly. the car. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I wanted no part of that. Yeah. Just keep watching the worms eat that guy's face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So pretty, oh, yeah. No, I, I, my, my mom, for a while, dated a, a guy who was a big movie buff, and we'd go to the drive-in. He was also paraplegic. So when they were in the van uh, uh, smoking bowls and eating burritos, I could tool around the drive-in in an electric wheelchair. Nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> And we went and saw American Werewolf in London, and I was sitting outside the van uh, in the in the wheelchair, uh, just drinking a big soda. And he was fine through the through the werewolf murder and the nightmare. But the moment the uh, they started uh, in the shower scene, the making I out in the shower, yeah, stir. And and her boyfriend stuck his hand out the window and tried to cover my eyes and overbalanced me and knocked me out of the wheelchair. <laughs> and I rolled under an AMC Gremlin in a puddle of Fanta. So. That's my childhood. A big part That's of me. Awesome. Well, I had I had told the story here before about my mom. We were we didn't have a lot of money. She was a single mom. Loaded sure. everyone into the old Buick and took us to the El Rancho Drive-in in San Jose, yes. California, and um, uh, for a new comedy that she had heard about from someone <laughs> at work. And uh, it Called was Hush 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 Hush, 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 Char- Hush, Hush Sweet Charlotte. Whoa! What? <laughs> yeah, and I, I was like four or five, and I remember my mom going, "All right, everyone go to sleep," because it was money already spent, and you couldn't say you can't you yeah. can't leave, can't leave. Yeah. So I remember watching it through the cracks of the bucket seats. <laughs> oh wow! And, and, and just dude, being petrified. Uh, well, I was gonna say, and it made a huge impact. It was so on much you. better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Knowing oh, that I wasn't yeah, supposed yeah. to be watching it. Oh, when the yeah, when the, the the when when yeah, consuming the entertainment itself is a transgressive act. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember watching a uh, Phantasm. I don't know how the hell Phantasm got on broadcast TV in like eighty or eighty one, but it was on at one in the morning on a CBS affiliate. And I remember when the 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 whole finger scene, and <laughs> that scared me so bad that I made a noise that my that woke up my mom. Oh. Uh. And yeah, and so like I had to go back to bed. But I about fifteen minutes later, uh, I I could hear her snoring, and so I got back up and I snuck back out and I watched the rest of the movie. Yeah, sneaking downstairs to watch stuff, sir. We have managed to get through almost all of our show and not talk about any of your work. (laughs) Oh, thank God. We need to we need to rectify that. I I just want to have a couple of questions about that. Um, Sure. Uh, first of all, do you, do you have a preference between the short, the novella, and the novel? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of, I kind of agree with George Browning Spencer that, uh, uh, a short story or a novella is like a, is like a fun vacation or a trip through Europe, whereas a novel tends to be kind of a, a long throw, slow slog through a hostile country. But, <laughs> sure, sure. But uh, I couldn't, I not only couldn't 
uh, sell. But I couldn't even write uh, short stories that even I wanted to read um, mm-hmm. when I was starting out. And I hadn't. I, I wrote one really good one in college that's uh, that's been in been reprinted a few times. But otherwise, yeah, I couldn't write. I couldn't write short stories for shit. And I, so my first thing that I wrote was a games that I wrote and sold was a game supplement, which was mostly research. And then my first novel, which I self-published because the game book blew up in my face and I was paranoid. I didn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the first thing that I wrote and actually put in front of anybody else was was Radiant Dawn. Um, wow. And then after that, I, I went backwards and I... I'm trying to find a room with the least bad acoustics that my kid isn't watching iPad cartoons on. In um, I uh, I went back and I started, I took a UCSD extension course that Nancy Holder was teaching. Oh, and uh, yeah, because you're in San Diego. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I figured out a process that I whereby I was able to write write and finish stories. So uh, and now I love it, but I haven't written a novel in three years. Uh, by myself, and I'm working now on a project that I conceived in college and knew I didn't know how to write, and I attempted to write it 12 years ago, and I presented some sample chapters to a couple editors and publishers in New York at World Horror in 2005, and they they told me, yeah, uh, stop using drugs as a crutch, young man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, and, and, then I, and then I got divorced from my first wife, and I ended up writing a uh, divorce horror body uh, or divorce body horror novel um, right. called Perfect Union in 2010, and so this project has been in my head. It's felt like you know that that bag or that hand or, or that you know that thing that you forget you've been carrying uh, all your life. And when I hit middle age and I realized what I still had wanted to do with my life, I I've had these novels that I finally know how to write, but I've been doing short stories and it's kind of it's uh, I've been distracting myself and it's really fun and it's neat. And the short story game is wonderful. And that, that, that community is, is really wonderful. But when I first started to realize, yeah, I could, I could die someday and probably and possibly sooner rather than later, I realized I need to finish these novels. Mm-hmm. And when I started working on this project, I mean, really working on it and reading the hundred odd books that I've been squirreling away that are research for it and stuff, uh, I, I realized how much I really love writing novels and it's, and it's such a, it's a hard country to get your head into, but now that I'm in it, I'm not sure I ever want to leave. Yeah. I, 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 the first time in several years, I don't have any short story, uh, uh, invitations or no projects going for that. And so I'm, I've got like these two, three big ass books that I want to get done. Each one of which is about the size of Radiant Dawn and Ravenous Dust together. Sure. Uh, I mean, in scope, if not an actual page count, I mean, mm-hmm. fuck, I, I, I don't want to do that to anybody any, ever again. Um, <laughs> I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, I, but I feel like, I feel mm-hmm. like it, it, it's like a fight, right? Yeah. It's easy to throw, it's easy to throw those jabs, right? Yeah, yeah. To kind of, to kind of feel things, right? You throw yeah. that jab. And so that's your short story, right? Bam, I threw that jab. Boom. Here, here's my joke, right? Yes. Here's my yeah. punchline. Yeah. It's 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 harder to put together a whole uh, fight scene where yeah. now, okay, the, the, now the fight progresses from this to that to this to that. 
and mm-hmm. uh, but but once you're committed, once yeah. you're in once that you fight, in. yeah, yeah, now I, you're. There. I always felt short stories yeah. were like were like one night kind of like one night stands, or like short films are like knock knock jokes. Sure, yeah. you get in, you do you do your damage, right, and then you get out, right. The yeah. best ones, the best ones work that way, right. where people fuck up. Novels, they... novels, I think it's more. You're in the groove and you're settling in and you're right. you have the time to meander you and look put at... on the Barry White record. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sure, <laughs> and yet, and yet, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're seducing people, but you know they're going to be there for the long haul. And yet, it's such a it's such a paradox because for the the general public who used to uh, uh, read read short story magazines. Uh, you know, every 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 railroad brakeman had uh, at least a you know a, a Western pulp paperback, sure, uh, or, or or something. And there were those kinds of things for working people. They've moved on, and they're getting that sort of that sort of itch scratched in other places. Uh, and yet, even for people who are fans of the genre, unless they're in this very rarefied you know subgenre subgenre of like you know the new weird community or uh, or, or Lovecraft people, they. It, it's harder to get people into a collection of short stories or into an anthology unless it has, you know, a theme hook or something mm-hmm. because there's a, uh, you know, there's like a suspension of or a certain amount of, uh, of energy required to get invested in a, a, a storyline. Really and a lot of times if that curve is really steep, it can be exhausting. And if you know you're facing, I'm going to have to learn who to uh, learn what, what this world is and, and, who I should care about and get invested in them uh, 20 times in this book, it can feel really exhausting. So it's a paradox. People are really attracted to to novels rather than short stories. Yeah. And in the, in the same way that they're attracted to TV series. They like, right. they, I've invested mm-hmm. in these people, yes. and now I want to spend I want to some time watch them. this whole thing. Sure, or sure, I want sure. a three-hour movie right. as opposed to... Which is really funny because if you think about society, we think, you know, we you hear all the time people talking yeah. about, like, shortened attention spans yes. and things like that. And yet people still gravitate toward the longer entertainment. Well, I think it goes back to what Cody just said about investing yourself 20 times over. Right. I just, uh, there's a local film festival here, Bleedingham, that Langley has a big part of, and I do some of the judging for it. And, and the other day I sat through 41 short films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at oh, the end man. of it, I was really tired because it's you just like, budget. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh. I've, it's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That well, was that was could be the most exhausting part of running the the Lovecraft Film Festival in San Pedro was was judging all of the films and it can be exhausting to watch several blocks of short films that were selected if you're going through all the submissions from all the things that that yeah uh, these folks this is their clearly their first film yeah. or it's not even doesn't even begin to be relevant to the subject matter but you've got to watch the whole thing to be able to say for sure it's, it's the cinematic slush pile right. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like it's like it's like being pummeled. Right. And and occasionally just wants to hit something. <laughs> and occasionally it's, there's and a really the good shot in there, story right? That, that immediately grabs you. That immediately exactly. engages you. Right. It's, you it, it, it's so galvanizing. All of a sudden, it just drapes all of the calcium out of your uh, out of the, all the plaque out of your arteries, and your nerves <laughs> just sing because well, all of a you recognize this is what it feels like when it's good. Yeah. And you, yeah. How much of the entertainment that you consume is basically work? It's like just chewing somebody else's food. Right. Right. Um, right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, trying to figure out ways to get people really. Uh, 
in, engaged and invested before they realize that they're engaged, engaged and invested is kind of what I've been trying to pursue for a long time. Also, uh, doing things that at least on the surface seems like a high concept, very facile. This will be nothing but this flavor, you know, make it, make it feel like it's going to be a soda can. And that's, I've had mixed results with that. I mean, at least as far as, you know, the, how far something has gone. But like I, I wrote a book called Repo Shark that, that's like a, like a bizarro Elmore Leonard crime novel. Uh, and it, and it, and of course it goes off in a very, very different direction. But, uh, trying to work out how to get people how to get how to get people to feel like it, it the way with an independent book that was that was published by by you know an outfit that's one guy half your age uh how to get people that that grabbed onto grabbed onto as they would if they saw a kick-ass five-minute trailer for something that costs more than the, the combined budget of central america uh to get produced um and it's a fun game. All the tools are there. It, it's pretty much what's missing is just the uh, being able to get inside people's heads. It, I mean, a lot of it's publicity budget. But if you game that right, clearly, clearly, Facebook was a very, very valuable tool because now they've gotten into rationing out. Where we'll show this to more than twelve of your friends if you give us three dollars. You know. <laughs> It was so weird how I, mean, I, I guess I guess you know five years ago was our Woodstock for like uh, when we reached like like peak self publishing where every right before Jeff Bezos was declared the richest man on earth was when the Kindle Unlimited thing happened and I recognized right. my monthly income from eBooks was was slashed by like sixty percent and and then they declared him. So, yeah, I, I, I won't be modest about, uh, about claiming some, some responsibility for his success. But uh, it, clearly there was, there were, there were cr- the crumbs that were on the table were too big um, that, were, that, that they were leaving behind for us to nibble on. Well, well, we clearly need to have this gentleman back. <laughs> yeah, 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 I would yeah, love yeah, to yeah. do a, a, an entire episode with you, sir. That uh, we didn't. Uh, we did. purely on HP Lovecraft. Yeah, though. we did. I sure. was going to say we didn't. We didn't talk about at probably eighty five percent. I just I just that, set aside four pages of we, notes <laughs> so, that we wanted to talk. And that's about. beautiful. And I'm I'm available to come back anytime you want. Excellent. To have it. We will do that. We will definitely do that. How do people get in touch with your stuff besides buying your books, which they should on Amazon? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I've got an author page on Facebook. Uh, I have a blog that nobody has ever visited, um, at, uh, it's like a live journal blog at perilouspress.com where I occasionally post news and, and deep thoughts. I think the last time I did that was bitching about Comic-Con. Um, San Diego Comic Con. Uh, sure, as you do, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. these days, right, it's yeah. such a nightmare. Oh, it was yeah, no. Uh, well, it was it, it, that in itself. Yeah, I, I wrote, I, and I usually I'm not a big blogger. I've tried to to discipline myself so that I, when I get up in the morning and I read the news and I'm really disgusted and pissed off, rather than you know turn around and, and blast whoever's next to me or all my Facebook friends, I take that energy into the uh, into into writing and I make myself write a thousand words before I can go on social media and post about wow. anything. Awesome, awesome. And wow. then I. Then I recognize when I when I'm done with that my my days my days saved I don't need to try to win the day by starting a fight with a stranger. Uh, sure. I sure. Uh, I believe that it's it's easy to, on social media to get into a fight and feel like you're you're battling Moriarty on the edge of Reichenbach Falls. But, 
really? You're just fighting with the guy from Hot Topic in the fountain at the food court. Nobody's paying you to do it. So, you know, I, 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 you know, when you when you when you want to post something on Facebook to say, hey, uh, you guys are all really into that stupid thing. Everybody but me is, and then you go. Well, yeah, no, I, I, that would be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll just post a self-congratulatory post saying how I recognize that it would be wrong to tell you guys you're all lame. <laughs> <laughs> Thereby accomplishing you know, both but, goals. But, but, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I, I hear you on that, but I also, I also feel that like everyone has their thing, you know. Sure. And, and I just kind of go, well, you know, like I, there are lots of stuff that people adore. Like, like for example, I know both of y'all are Gaiju fans. Yeah. I, I can take or leave guy Jews. Sure, and, sure, sure. And, and so I don't want to sit there in, on Facebook and to, you don't to potentially want to shit, you, friends and customers to shit all over something right. someone loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, until they ask me what I well, think. Here's, okay, so here... That's, exactly. Yeah. That, well, uh, okay, so a, a... I don't want to say a war, but a constant disagreement that Tom and I have is right. the role of the film critic. Sure. And... and my my stance is any movie, even a shitty movie, yeah. um, needs to be made because there's an audience for it somewhere. Yeah, and and and, I, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but Tom takes the view that no, some shit does not need to be made. No, 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 no. Yeah. My my position is once you've made your shit, right. My role is to say whether it's shit or not. Okay. Yes. Because because I've because of a of a my role as a critic. Right. Because of Absolutely. the of the breadth of the things that I the time in the chair. Right. You spent. you've spent a lot of time. You it, have every right to make your whereas, shitty film. Whereas my position is, no one has any right to say whether something is good or bad because. But the implied is your mileage may vary. Right. You right. may you may watch a film that I absolutely hate. Right. Exactly. That's an important thing to, yeah, that is an important thing to, I mean, for a critic to have. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't know whether it's a distinguishing feature or whether it's like opposable thumbs necessarily, but because I can learn a lot from when Rex Reed takes a shit all over a, mo- uh, a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up watching sneak previews, and Cisco uh, and Ebert used to have a dog of the week, and I, the dog of the week was where my shopping list started. That was when I was <laughs> uh, Right? But those... Yeah. Those bastards used to show you the payoff scenes from from the monster movies that they were telling you not to go see. Right. You know, I remember right. exactly where I was when they ruined it, spoiled the end of The Devil's Reign and Sliss in the same episode. Oh, my God. How could... Dude. <laughs> not Sliss. You are the second person that I've met that, that even referenced Slithis. They oh my god! Well, I, yeah, slithis and, and and tentacles and yeah, no that that that, that kind of crap. Slid. They just did slithis on the new version of uh, uh, laugh track MSC three K. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, oh my god! Oh, yeah. that's worth going back to. Yeah, now that they finally have solidly gotten into territory, where I mean. I saw Star Crash in the theater. Yeah, uh, you know, and Star Crash, Empire of the Ants, and crap like that. Yeah. Uh, they're they're finally doing movies that that I I saw originally when I was a kid, and yeah, seeing them in that context, it, it was. I mean, Star Crash was one of the few films that was actually funnier for not having a riff track thing, because <laughs> at least they're reassuring you that yes, this movie is as, as stupid as you think it That's is. Silly, yeah. and yet, and yet, yeah, it has. Stop motion robots in it. There you so go. I'm all it's over. Got, it. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a, it's got an uh, almost a Ballos than than Jason of the Argonauts. Dude, it's got 
Christopher Lee in it, so it must be good. <laughs> Christopher Chris Lee, David Hasselhoff, Joe Spinell, Marjo Gortner. Marjo Carol Gortner, Marjo, man. My yeah. favorite role. But him yeah. and Andrew Prine. My hero. Yeah, they always blur in my head, him and Andrew Prine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when Marjo Gortner was like a child? Uh, he was a, he was a preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Sam Kennison, yeah. they were evangelicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he was uh, the sample in the MC 900 foot Jesus and DJ Zero songs. Hell <laughs> <laughs> is a place of loneliness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oddly enough, Sam Kennison was a preacher. Got hit by a car. Got. Got his bell rung. Yeah. Suddenly stopped believing. Yeah. Huh. Oh my! I'm not age. What's that? He, uh, Phineas Gage was the, the the this guy in the 19th century. He was like a happy-go-lucky, wonderful pillar of the community, alderman and everything. And uh, he blew. He he was injured by a, like a, a steam engine that blew up at a construction site. He had a metal rod that went through his brain. After that, he became yeah, a larcenous, perverted worm. <laughs> <laughs> Some might say it knocked that little ball right into that little hole. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No. It, it was it was like one of those pilot cases that they that they constantly cite on. Uh, uh, on the mecha- uh, the mechanic deterministic nature of brain function, yeah. so, I did not. Know Sam Kinison, yeah, Sam Kinison was yeah. a famous. And he went oh. crazy. He went banana. Not, I don't want to say bananas, but he became the Sam Kinison we knew. Yeah. Also, yeah. also kind of creepy on that was when the car accident happened. Um, right. And Kinison got out of the car. He was observed talking to someone who, it, like, in an argument, going, "No, but I, but I, but I." Uh, and then he calmed down. And he goes, "Yeah, I know, I know, I know." And then he's down, and huh. that was that. And huh. that's wild. Yeah. So cue the Ow. spooky organ music. But clearly, we need to have this man back. <laughs> yeah. We will yeah. do that. Um, so the Perilous um, Publishing is the or Perilous Press is where people can mostly find your stuff. Is that in Facebook? Uh, perilouspress.com, Facebook, um, uh, pretty much everything I've, I've worked on is on Amazon. Um, I have a graphic novel right now called Mystery Meat that yeah, uh, yeah. ebook that on Comicsology. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm bad. I'm 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 nationwide. <laughs> cool. Well, all right, we 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 and we we will get to booking you in the next little bit here. Uh, we are going to go. We will be back in just one second. So we're back. What? Yeah, dude. Amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the things that I love about this show is that we routinely always come back. We to always this. come back to this. Is like, yeah. what an awesome guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And goddamn it, we need to he, have him on. Cody's the guy who I just would love to spend an, an evening just 
and a, me, him, a couple of friends, more friends, and a bottle of scotch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We're going to get on to the second hour stuff. Uh, first up, only a couple of deaths uh, this this week. Uh, Michael Knight, who's a designer for Project Runway, died yeah. at a really early age. Mm-hmm. Um, Gord, I didn't know of this guy, Gord Downey. He was in the band Tragically Hip. Yeah, so that was a that was a big deal. Um, I think if you're not Canadian or pay attention to a lot of Canadian mm-hmm. stuff, this guy probably isn't on the your Prime radar. Minister Trudeau was weeping Dude, over it. This guy, I think, encapsulated more of what it was to be Canadian mm-hmm. than almost anybody, more than Trudeau. Like, if you were, wow. were going to point to, like, what I, is Canadian, yeah. uh, this guy did Bob, that. Doug. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Uh, Bob, <laughs> Doug, Neil, Celine, <laughs> and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Murray, and yeah. this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was weird, because it was just, like, this big deal, and I had no, no idea. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. But it wasn't a surprise. I mean, mm. he, you know, he he had terminal brain cancer. Mm. They they did this kind of farewell tour, where yeah. basically he's like, "Hey, I'm dying. See ya." Yeah, and uh, uh, it was uh, without being Canadian. I don't think we can totally understand. But mm. I get, I. I Harkens back to what you're saying, almost like about Tom Petty. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's something distinctly important about this guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So he he, his brain cancer got the best of him, and Uh, as it kind of as it does. (laughs) does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And this one was it was huge in my world, uh, but not many other people's. And that's Umberto Lenzi, Italian film director. He directed. Cannibal Ferox, Seven Bloodstained Orchids. He directed Man from Deep River. He directed Nightmare City, aka City of the Walking Dead, with the the. It's it's best known for zombies attacking a, an episode of Solid Gold with all the. De- <laughs> <laughs> and he also and, and another movie called e- Eaten Alive. He was one of those directors, Italian guys. Back in, his peers were people like. Joe D'Amato and Lucio Fulci. Right. Not so much Argento, because Argento was quote-unquote art. This was sleaze cinema, Ruggiero Diodato. Right. A lot of the people we talked about when we talked to Barbara McNulty. This is going to be something that we're going to be able to to revisit with our our next week. We have a guest next week. I don't want to fight the jinx it, but if, if so... I'm super stoked about yeah, yeah, yeah. it, and it's yeah, uh, exactly. Um, uh, he worked on a lot, of, a lot of these, a lot of these, 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 these films. Movies, he was in, yeah. he was in Cannibal Ferox, Ferox which yeah. is one of Lindsay's films. But Lindsay did everything. He did, he did Policia Teshis. He did romantic sex comedies. He was one of those journeyman director who directors in Italy who didn't, you know, they weren't Bertolucci and they weren't, you know, high art. Um, right, but they were they were like Roger Cormany kind of yeah yeah yeah. Fest. And there was in, in, the funny thing about Italy is that there was a lot of these guys. There's a lot of yeah them. yeah. Um, pa, uh, what did someone describe it as pasta zombie films and and yeah. uh, you know third world cannibal films sure, sure. and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, films Chaz Ballin used to say delivered the groceries. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that really bummed me out, yeah. And it was he was an elderly gentleman, and it wasn't like exactly a surprise. But again, it was 
it's their markers right. and stuff. Uh, moving on to news. Um, the November-December issue of Playboy uh, is going to feature uh, someone named Inez Rao as a playmate. And it's she's the first trans model to ever be in Playboy. I'm going to... Is Playboy still published? Yeah. yeah. Now that Hefner's died, his son has taken over, and yeah. he's man- starting By to the maneuver way, the did, magazine. Well, did we talk about Hefner's death on any of our I think shows? we did on this... Sh- I think we did. Yeah, we did. Did we? I'm sure we did. Okay. Yeah. It may have been the episode you missed, but I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's really bold and really brave yeah. and, and and so needed right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do wonder what your average Playboy reader... Is it just going to be a one-off kind of like, huh, kind of a thing? Or right. is it or or is it going to be... Well, Playboy's, Playboy's always been good about kind of uh, uh, doing that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I remember... I can't remember who it was now. Nancy Sinatra. Mm. It was like, we're going to have the first whatever... Big star. 50-year-old yeah, 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 yeah. or whatever, sure. you know, uh, centerfold. You uh-huh. know? And, and, and they've always been good about that. Um, the thing about Playboy that, that I think holds it in higher esteem with the general world mm-hmm. is that it wasn't just it's not just no a, it used to be it's not just about, a tits and ass show yeah it was it's, about reading it for the articles right, exactly. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that yeah 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 um I think that's I think that's great I yeah. think it's I think the more we can do that on the on the other hand it is it's Playboy it's not Hustler I mean so right so it's it's uh I, you know I I have every suspicion that this will all be handled well well yeah um. We, talk, we talked about this online, though, uh, this next one. Andrew Kevin Walker is writing a new version of Lone Wolf and Cub, which makes no sense at no, all. No, like, there's enough people who haven't discovered... The originals. The originals. Right. right. And, um, and, you know, I can see it now. They're going to gender swap it. They're going to bring it to modern day. They're yeah. going to do you know, any one of a number of things. And they all sound like a horrible idea. Horrible idea. Um, so please don't do that. Um, in the midst of all this Harvey Weinstein stuff, I don't know if right. we talked about this last week, but Kevin Smith has said that um, he couldn't abide by his because of his relationship with the Weinstein company. Right. He's giving all of his residuals to all of his Weinstein-based films to a, a charity called Women in Film. So every residual he gets for clerks and mall rats. By the and way, dogmen. women in film. I, I, I have to I have to to uh, say something. Uh, I've been involved in a couple of women in film projects, mm-hmm. and it's a fantastic organization. Yeah, it's a, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's and saying, it, it, and it's so not what you think based on the title. Sure, yeah. he's saying that. Um, so all of the residuals for all of these films would go to women in film. Yeah, but he didn't. He realizes that some things don't generate the money they should. So on top of that, he uh, committed to them to giving them two grand a month. Yeah. Um, so that's what twenty four grand it's, a year. So uh, we, uh, I think you and I both have this like weird love hate relationship with Kevin Smith. I do. I do. And and in in that we. Uh, recognize 
what he did mm-hmm. in in the early nineties and how yeah, important yeah, yeah, yeah. that was, and how and 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 any hatred there or hatred. Know, I, I, I get I'm it. using hatred. I get it. Air yeah, quotes, yeah, yeah. Comes from. God damn it, man! The shit that you're doing now, you can do better. Well, like you, uh, yeah. And so, but setting aside all that, this kind of brings me back into his camp. Yeah, I think he's a guy who 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 clearly is self-absorbed because everything that he, all of his commentary on modern culture, gets filtered through his eyes. Right, right. Um, his last few films are have been made almost as goofs. Which I kind of appreciate. Sure. Um, on the other hand, I think that he he's clearly in the bag for like Marvel and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but again, I agree. Things like this make make move him into that. Like you know, despite all that, you know, this is a stand-up guy. This is a this is a good guy. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not Re- trying to fuck anybody. And right. And I'll tell you what, if you listen to the, to the last episode of, um, or the second to last episode of Hollywood Babylon, where he announces this, right. you hear it in his voice that he's clearly just shattered and yeah, embarrassed, yeah, yeah. and and um, and again that that self absorption, where it's like, really, to be honest, yeah. to be honest, what your producers do have no. It's not well, a reflection on you. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but but, yeah, but again, fa- he's taken this instance of, of this and and passing it through. This is how I feel about right, it. Exactly. But he's doing something. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's a stand-up thing to do. Yeah. Uh, NBC, for some reason, is rebooting Nancy Drew. Why? I don't know. You know, isn't that what you're trying to do over there? I mean, what is it going to be gritty like this new? Supposedly, this new. Sabrina the Teenage Witch that they're doing as a spinoff from Riverdale. Why I know this, I have no idea. But it's supposed to be more like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where yeah. it's going to be really dark. I've not checked out Riverdale just because it's, it's fucking it's Riverdale. Archie. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know, I know. I I saw a great article. It's on my Facebook feed about this guy postulating that TV was a disease, and I'm like, yeah, buddy. Um. David Fincher talked was interviewed for um, this new Mindhunter thing. Yeah. On M- a uh, Netflix, which I hear is really good, and he said, "quote We are hoping to get him a piece of material that's a reason to make a movie, not an excuse to make a movie in regard to World War Z two, oh. which he's doing." Okay. So, on one hand, I really like that he's saying we we need to make a movie that means something as opposed right. to just to, to make a movie. It's like on the other hand, it's World War Z two. Right? Yeah. Do we need this? Yeah. Can you not do this with some original property? I know. I know. And especially when they've deviated heavily already from the original property. Right. I would have loved to have seen a film. Um, Almost pseudo documentary because the the book is told in chapters of and each told by a different person. Sure, each different person is interviewed. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert Englund says he is quote through with Freddie. Okay. Unless you're paying him to be a <laughs> guest at a con, and he'll wrap himself up in that stuff. Yeah, I sure okay maybe. I, and you know what? I'm through with being in in the Godfather film I'm directing <laughs> that no one's asking for. Anyway. Uh, there's a film being made, Riot Girls. It's a post-apocalyptic thriller directed by Jovanka Vukovic. 
from she did uh, Captured Bird, she did Double X, she was right. the ex editor of um Rue Morgue magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um and uh, and, a, and I would consider her a friend. And so she's doing that and I think okay. that that rocks. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah. No, she's awesome. She's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and I like I like the mood of what her stuff is. I did, I wasn't a big fan of Double X. Double X. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, good for her. Yeah. Um, CBS is rebooting Magnum PI. Stop! What the fuck? Like it's, it's that like, wasn't a good show to begin it's with. It's a horrible show. But on the other hand, it's like it's. It's going to be indistinguishable from Hawaii this is, Five-0. This is how this is this is what happens, right? It's like, oh, we're at a point in time where this particular time period mm-hmm. is really nostalgic, yeah. And you get some really cool things. Stranger Things is an example. Sure. And then coming and, up in the next couple of days, right? Exactly. And then somebody decides, well, everything from that time oh, yeah. is good. Well, yeah. that that had an audience, yeah. right? Airwolf had an audience, dude. We need to. No. Re- we Where need a go? new Full House. They did. <laughs> they fucking did. It's called Fuller House, and it's a big hit on Netflix. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything of your youth getting just strip mined. Right. For and it's always updated and everything. You know what's going to happen is is that you know we're we're getting more and more like that. That there's not going to be any original content oh, from. No. Like now, you for instance, <laughs> <laughs> you love the original and the reboot and the reboot of that and the reboot of that. It's fucking Spider Man. Look at Spider Man. How many times are they going to put an AED on that franchise right. to get its heart going? Yeah, again? yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sylvia Hooks, Hooks, who was the uh, lethal android in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which yeah. you haven't seen, just got cast in the girl uh, in the Spider's Web, the American remake of the Dragon Tattoo series. I, totally not necessary. Not necessary. We talked about yeah. this before. The fact that the three already exist that were Scandinavian. It's yeah. like, you know what? Learn to fucking read. Yeah. And First of all, the books are great. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the 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 the, the original movies are great. Mm-hmm. I still I have on my shelf the uh, the David Fincher mm-hmm. uh, girl with the dragon yeah. tattoo. I ain't gonna watch it. It's it's actually not bad. I'm sure it's fine. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like. The American remake of Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch that. Even though people keep telling me, oh, it's, it's pretty not that bad. There's some CG in it that will drive you insane. But. The point is, is like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. And the Hollywood Babylon talks about that. No thanks, we already got one. Right, ex- yeah. oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, point of no one. return? Yeah. No, we got that. I, I saw Femnick. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, during the press for Pacific, the Pacific Rim 2 that we trashed oh my God. before, um, the director hinted that a possible crossover of Pacific Rim, King Kong, and Godzilla. I want to punch people in the face so fucking hard. I I hate yeah. it. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. It's just, how does that work? Like, I don't even know right. how you get around that narratively. Anyway. Uh, narratively, you go... There's a big fucking monkey. Here's a big fucking lizard. <laughs> and look, oh my god, there's a and big we, fucking no, moth. They're fighting, and we need to. The only way we can get is to solve it is to get in the mix. So yeah. enter the the, the yeah. Jaegers. All right, you watch. Matthew McConaughey is going to wind up becoming. 
He's going to be like a hero. And he's going to be the new. Movies. He's, he's going to drive a Lincoln. <laughs> hey, say what you want about Matthew McConaughey, but he was great in Rain of Fire. Um, he was great. He's in becoming the new Ted Healy, where he <laughs> appears in series and it just <laughs> dooms it to obscurity. All right, trailers. Um, not so many this week. Um, first up, Once Upon a Time at Christmas. This is the obligatory. Christmas horror film. Yeah, I just the whole time I was watching that trailer, I'm just like, this is we've done this a hundred times. Yeah, I put it I put it on the list solely because it looks like it's the holiday horror film this year that everyone will talk about, like Krampus. Like Krampus was the year or two ago. This looks more slashery. Yeah, and I couldn't care less. Yeah, I don't care. Like it just, I mean it, it. it's like any. It's like almost everything that we see now, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, it's competently made. Yeah, but goddamn it, we've there's seen not a lick of originality. Yeah, no. in it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, documentary called Heal on Natural Healing. That looks really interesting. Yeah, it does. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I wonder how crunchy it gets, if you know what I mean. How 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 aligned my chakras have to be in order for all of this stuff. to Yeah, happen. like I. Yeah, I don't know how, how. Yeah, I don't know how granola it's going to be, but. Uh, but it does it does point to a lot. Of it's interesting. I think the science behind it is would be fascinating. Right. Basically, it's a documentary about how the um, medical industry in the in the United States is might be approaching things incorrectly. Incorrectly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Twenty four hours to live, or as I call it, Ethan Hawke goes John Wick. So okay. So. With the popularity of John Wick, uh-huh. and before and before John Wick, the Jason Bourne movies. Yeah, of course we had this movie. Of course we had the, uh, we had uh, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. A little bit ago. This is going to be a thing for a while, and yeah. and people are going to get tired of it. Yeah, and, and good good for the fact that they're hiring some stuntmen, some martial artists, and yeah, some shit. The the action stuff is great, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I don't know about Ethan Hawke as mm-hmm. an action hero, but mm-hmm. then again, too, that kind of that's kind of cool too because it's like okay, so it's not an Arnold Schwarzenegger type guy, right? You know? So I don't it's, know. It's, it's produced it's, by the guys who did John Wick. Yeah, it I, reeks I, of John Wick. When I look at it, I'm just kind of like I kind of feel like I've seen this too yeah. already. You agreed. Know? Yeah. Agreed. Uh, let's see, Jenna Malone in a ghost story called Angelica. Almost he, Victorian. Yeah, it's, it's a period piece, and uh, I, I like the look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that the trailer doesn't really let you know exactly what the mm-hmm. fuck's going on. Um, there's definitely something happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in your face something, like, let's say, Crimson Peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it looked a little more... Like, at first, I, I, it, I was... Had a difficult time figuring out, like, wait, what is this? Like, wait, oh, yeah, because it's a ghost oh, it's a story. Ghost story. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was almost. I thought, I go, is this just a bodice ripper kind of like you know, sense and sensibility kind because of thing? Because the beginning of the trailer looks like, yeah, that. yeah. Then it takes this weird turn. Yeah, and that's okay. Uh, murder mystery with Al Pacino and Carl Urban called Hangman. Yeah, this looks like generic Al Pacino. It, what's the film he did with De, De Niro? Not Heat, but the, they, they did another one that you know. Grizzled cop and right. Uh, it just looked to me like an extended episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah, like I. I, They all look that way. I mean, it's it's murder mystery, and I guess if you're in the if you like that kind of thing, sure. If you're a fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. looked great. 
Um, um, he looked suitably grizzled. Carl Urban had that look of like the wide-eyed trainee. It and, really reminded me, in some ways, just from the trailer, of Seven. Well, yeah. we got the Morgan Freeman character, yeah, 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 and yeah. we've got the Brad Pitt character. Sure, sure. And there's that obligatory scene where they go, "This is bigger when we than we thought." Yeah, I was I was struck by something that happened in both the Christmas one and that one, where mm. it's like you know, he's he you know he's increasing the body count. You yeah, know, it's like it's like these guys are writing from the same <laughs> the same plot book. It calls to mind like the same script done through two different visions. Like, yeah, yeah. One gritty criminal mind. Right. Like, it's a Christmas story. It's a <laughs> um, uh, let's see. A documentary that I guess I've heard is already up. Um, Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman behind the scenes. Okay, out of all the called Jim and Andy, week, the Great Beyond. This looks fucking awesome. Yeah, this looks great. I did not know that this was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd heard stories that he was, what a pain in the ass he was yeah, during yeah, the yeah. filming of this, but this is footage that I guess the studio tried to squelch. Yeah. And now it's been so many years they were like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, we but, can make some money off of this. Yeah, and Carrie is, is look at the stuff he's doing now. He's going on guess, uh, red carpets and telling one, everyone how stupid their event is. Right, yeah, yeah. And I wonder, because he's doing this Terrence McKenna bio, and I, it's clearly he's sampling some some hallucinogens, uh, uh, and I wonder how that's going for him. He was just on Norm Macdonald's podcast for an hour and was a riot. Jim Carrey is one of those guys that you think you think you know him, mm-hmm. you think you know what you're getting. Yeah. And there's Maybe, a have lot. Have you seen the video on him pledging his love to Emma Stone? No. Look that up on YouTube. He's wow. like a message, like. It's like a handheld, almost like a periscope, and he's going, this is a message of Stone, I think you're so wonderful and so beautiful, and it's so creepy. Wow. And his website, when you, or at least it used to be, I don't know if it still is, but when you go there, it was all like, where do you click? And it was all flowers. It was all weird. It was all like a Hieronymus Bosch painting. It really? was just really bizarre. Um, so, well, you know, there's nothing worse than a weird guy with money. So, so a while back... Um, uh, uh, quite a while back, uh, I remember him talking about. I don't know if it was him talking about it or if it was like a a VH1 behind the mm. story, whatever. But uh, there, there's a lot going on with that guy. Like he's he's coming from he's coming from some dark places. Sure. Which was a surprise to everybody because he was so goofy and weird. Sure. And and uh, but all comics are fucked. Yeah, as yeah. Mark Maron's podcast yeah. clearly shows you. Oh sure. Um, but when I started seeing him do um, uh, dramatic roles, mm-hmm. even the Truman Show, mm-hmm. for as innocuous as it is, it was, it was like, there's a lot more to this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I really started paying attention to Jim Carrey was um, uh, the, what's Damn it, the, the Darabont movie. Oh, uh, Majestic. The Majestic. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one cool. of my favorite movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. I'm very curious about it. Andy Kaufman was really, you know, wacky and... and, and Polarizing. Yeah, a lot of people yeah, yeah, yeah. really hate that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where, again, I, I, I didn't know that. I, didn't I know highly... That. I, there's a part of me that highly respects somebody that says, okay... My life mm-hmm. is going to be the act. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's not. Yeah, 
Yeah. Method people are the worst, though. They are. Jared Leto and, you know, yeah, yeah, some yeah. of those other people. Anyway. Um, Louis C.K. think doing a movie called I Love You, Daddy. Yeah. This, does this not feel like like um, him trying to do a Woody, Woody Allen, Allen movie? Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. And it's so kind of creepy it in a weird creepy. way. Well, not yeah, like spooky creepy, like... This guy is, he's trying to protect his daughter who's going out with this really old guy uh, played by... But at uh, the same time, you get the idea that he's using his daughter as a bargaining chip with yeah. this old... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, it this all guy. feels really icky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, looks great. It's in black and white. It looks, I mean, you know, if you're a Lucy K fan, you're going to love it. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Morenz plays, plays his daughter. His daughter. And um, Ma- John Malkovich is the older guy the who's, dude, yeah. who's in his 70s and he's dating this girl in her 20s. And it, and yeah. I mean, even that starts to reek a little of, of Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another documentary, uh, Roddy Piper in his own words. I, I'm not a wrestling fan, I am but I love that kind. I love that guy. He is hilarious. Yeah. Um, I... I when I first I watched that trailer twice okay and the first time I watched it I'm like yeah yeah uh-huh. and then the second time I watched it I'm like you know I probably don't care mm-hmm. I probably don't like the, my favorite thing that he ever did was Hell Comes to Frogtown right so that tells you where I am in the Roddy yeah I universe. think that he I mean it's also I think a really fascinating time capsule of that time sure that WWF that was a big deal that was a big it deal Andre the Giant, all those guys, yeah. and um, um, so as a time capsule, I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was such a weird trailer because they had that also uh, available with the streaming yeah. thing. There's this whole other there's thing. Little, there's like apparently there's a bunch of interviews with wrestlers. Yeah, but then they frame it with like this fictional. Yeah, I I had no idea what was going on there. I was like, oh, that trailer's clearly over. Um. Chris Hemsworth has a military movie coming out called Twelve Strong. I always bristle at this stuff because yeah. it feels like it were cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like no, no, yeah. it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. When I saw that, I'm just like, uh, this is this is more brown war shit. I don't care. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, uh, and it just feels very sort of. You know, beating the drums mm-hmm. and knowing that a lot of young it people. It bugs me that the what's his name, um, Michael Shannon. Yeah, he's is, in it for no it. good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, what? Like, it couldn't have been. I didn't see who the director was, but it couldn't have been because he really wanted to work with Thor. No, you know. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, speaking of Thor, the last one was uh, this Black Mar or Black Panther thing from Marvel. Um, That's not the last one. Yeah. No. What else do I have? What did I miss? Punisher. Oh yeah, the Punisher. I forgot about the Punisher. Yeah, Let's yeah. we'll talk about both of those in the all same right, thing. Right. Starting with we'll get Black Panther out of the way. Um, Black Panther. I'm I'm pleased with it because of its its um, uh, elevation of a culture that doesn't ever get talked about. Right, right, right. To something mythic. Yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I love the villain. The At one point you see him with his shirt off and he's got all these keloid scarifications right. all over him. Right, And it just reeks of, of, of people who have done their research and, and are making something super cool. Right. That said, it's, it's Batman. 
Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 uh, I, my, I feel the same way. Like, I, I'm really glad they're doing this. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah, yeah it's one more, Will I one go more cartoon movie. <laughs> Will I go movie. see it? Mostly, I, I would say yes, because of what I just said. But also, I go in the hopes that, that thinking of elevating that culture to a certain level is, is going to extend to the martial arts. But I think we're going to see some some African fighting where you sure. wouldn't see, you know, like fighting stylized for African martial arts, right? Which I'm always a big, I'm I'm good with forever. Right. Um, Punisher, Punisher looks really violent. It looks really violent, <coughs> really cool. I think uh, what's his name, John Bernal. He's great, Bernthal. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Bernthal. Yeah. I think I, I think he looks great. Um, I'm I'm all about it. My biggest takeaway from it was, hey, he's not running around with his underwear outside of his clothes, so yeah, I'm yeah, on board. Yeah. It looks super like urban gorilla, yeah, kind of thing. Um, uh, story wise, we know the story already. It's mm -hmm. Death Wish. Yeah. Um, well, they'll prop up. Well, they did that. They did. They kind of took care of that in season one. Now season two. They always said it's not. They did it in Daredevil. Sorry, Daredevil right. season two. I am mean, keep all this stupid well, shit straight. Remember, remember the little short that they made where he's in prison. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. Wipes out all these dudes. Yeah, and uh, so that was. Yeah. So I think that that this this seems it's clearly going to be more Marvel product. It's clearly going to be some propped up villain that he has to be you a know, mob boss or whatever that he right. has to go after. They're introducing a female character that has heavy ties to I hear the Daredevil universe. Mm -hmm. So more of that interrelated stuff. It's more of Marvel moving its more its more of building forward. the universe, yeah. Um I know we I don't know if you remember this. It's a, in, uh, it's a the Netflix series. It's a Netflix series. Yeah. It's not a movie. Uh, they pull, they, we talked about it in a show or two ago, but they, they pulled all of the paneling and all that other stuff after Las Vegas. They pulled it from um, New York Comic Con, um, which tips me that it's probably really fucking violent. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm interested. I don't know. I, didn't, I haven't watched I a lot of that I, stuff. I will say this, that while I... While I think that he's really good for that role, um, my measuring stick's always going to be um, that uh, dirty laundry short. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that. But again, you can do things in that short that you can't do over nine. Right. Minutes, exactly. So yeah, you know, yeah. and especially you can't do over what eight hours, right. ten hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm optimistic. Um, have you seen anything lately? God no. Yeah, you just been I've, working. I've uh, my my day job has me so screwed for time right now. It's it's insane. On top of that, yeah, bleeding ham. bleeding ham happens in less than a week. Nice. And things are still being put together and stuff. I know you just did. I did all the, of the marathon yeah, judging uh, uh, thing. Yeah. And uh, it, it seems like everybody involved is doing some type of marathon thing um, whether it's tallying the scores, whether it's the judges having to watch the films, whether it's getting the stuff done for the... the this We have four events going on this year. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's right nuts. So, right on. Well, we'll see. How, <laughs> I'm... I'm, I'm 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 anxious and nervous and excited all at the same time. Right on. Uh, 
me, go to my website. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I, I just want to talk about a couple things. Um, on there have been everything. There was a Coffin Joe movie and a couple of other things there. Some are worth your while, some aren't. Two things I want to talk about. Number one, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, there's, it's That stuff is so cool. And this thing is, in my opinion, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, it, it's super cool in some ways. It's kind of dopey in others. Sure. But it was enjoyable. Um, uh, now on Netflix, Eyes, The Eyes of My Mother mm-hmm. um, runs about 75 minutes long. Uh, black and white, high contrast black and white. It's beautiful. It's dark and kind of bizarre, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I think it's worth seeing just because it feels doesn't old, feel old movie. No, within the last year or so. Oh, okay, okay. It feels like um, one the arrival of a a good filmmaker, mm-hmm. and two, it's just got this mood to it. Um, huge plot holes and there's, there are problems with it don't get me wrong but um, it's one of those films that I think uh, uh, you aren't you won't look at it and go well that's just like uh, right, 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 it's, right it's very very unique I liked it better than say I like The Witch mm-hmm. um, uh, but it it's in that same sort of critical ballpark okay um I also want to bring attention to three things because I've been around the house a lot. Um, three things on Netflix, and I'm, we're, I'm about to get into some pretty comedy stuff. So if you need to get a pencil, you should do that. Number one, Patton Oswalt Annihilation is on Netflix now. Um, it's a hour-long comedy special. In the middle of it, he talks about the death of his wife, sure, and it gets heavy while it remains incredibly funny. Um, Michael Bolton's big sexy Valentine's Day special. Right, right. Um, I remember this thing. It's yeah. so bizarre. It's it's short. It's about an hour. It feels very Lonely Island. If you know who Lonely Island, sure. Um, uh, and it's um, it's really like weird. Yeah. Weird in a good way, but weird. Um, and then finally, uh, Christina. Weir- P- weirder than the Bill Murray. Very much similar to that. Similar to that. But okay. not as loungy. This is more like Bolton is clearly in on the joke. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, did, it's, did it's worth seeing. Did you see Bolton doing the, the, the pirates? Yeah, the that's. Thing? The, the, he does a version of that. In okay, the, in okay. Thing. okay. And then finally, Christina P., a.k.a. Christina Pajitsky, has a comedy special called Mother Inferior that is actually really, really, really good. Um, are you reading anything? Uh, I've been re-going through a book that I got as um, a kid, and that was Roger Dean's Views. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and Roger I, Dean is I've great. I've been revisiting a lot of that stuff. Right Not just the artwork, but also um, rereading the, the book in general. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, I, I'm... I find endless inspiration in that guy. Yeah. In in his work. It's so cool. And it's so uniquely his. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we've talked about artists on the show before and, and how you can look at a painting. You can look at a drawing and know, that's Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. Well, you can definitely look at Roger Dean, yeah. whether you like it or not, yeah. and go... Well, that's Roger. That's Dean. known for a lot of like the yes covers. Yes covers, and then he did the Asia covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That big uh, dragon. Yeah, that yeah that's great. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have, I went heavy this week. I was reading 
Ernest Becker's The Denial of Death. Uh, I don't know that I'd recommend it because it's really <laughs> heavy. It's like a textbook. Yeah. Um, but it talks about mankind's inherent in inclination to know that death occurs, but um, doesn't acknowledge it, and and it goes way deeper. Very philosophy oriented, mm -hmm. and it's one of those ones where you had you read a page and you had to sh shut the book and go. Right. What does that even mean? That's how. But I, it's good. It, it was good. That's how I was with all of. Rollins books when I was reading them in the 90s mm. and I was just like I gotta put these things down because I just I just I feel like a brick right now yeah. you know yeah. and, and well this this the language is a little antiquated so as you read through it you it, it just just putting the sentence into a way that you can understand mm -hmm. it gets a little weird but it's it's one of those books when you get on that topic. It's like death. reading uh, uh, Echo, like Umberto Echo. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, exactly. I, like I that. need to have. A, but it's even more of a textbook. It's not a narrative. It's it's straight up, up like a philosophy sure, textbook. Sure. And it's a book that gets heavily referenced in, in people discussing the terminally ill and people who are sick mm. and and death and blah blah blah. I recently, I, just like in the last week, I. I uh, I used uh, some uh, an Amazon card that I got for my birthday. Oh, nice! And I picked up uh, the Seven Faces of Doctor Lau. Nice, which is amazing. Nice, everybody should see several times. Um, and then I picked up a uh, Dennis Quaid trifecta. Um, I picked up uh, Enemy Mine. Sure. Which yeah, I, you gotta I, yeah you gotta um, Dreamscape. All right, on. Yeah, with Eddie Albert okay. as the president. At first, I didn't know where you were going, but now suddenly it's coming together. Okay. Go ahead. And then uh, Inner Space with Martin Short. Yeah, I the, Inner Space at a drive-in. The only, the the, the only, uh, and that pretty much does it for me for Dennis Quaid, with one exception: Caveman. <laughs> I need to get a copy of Caveman. Caveman, wow. okay, okay. Is that the Ringo Starr thing? Yeah, Caveman yeah, is one of the dumbest movies. It has a stop motion. Yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah, it yeah, has yeah. some of the best uh, stop motion you'll ever see. Right on. Ignore the other shit and just watch it for the stop motion. Man, that stoned Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> is hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and listen to anything, and we'll get out of here. No. <laughs> She's like, no, it sounded... <laughs> no. Machines going off, and I said, Lorelai like turned me on to like, oh, yeah, that band. Bridge City um, Sinners. Bridge City Sinners, I think that's the name. Yeah, that, that was fucking badass. Right I was just like, Yes, right on. I told, I sent them a message. I'm like, Dude, Green Frog, come up here. Yeah, you should. Yeah, um, speaking of Bellingham up here in Washington, um, Southern Culture on the Skids are coming to one of the local clubs. What, yeah, 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 what, what, wait. It's yeah. I'll tell you about it later. I need specifics. Yeah, okay. they're coming. I think they're coming to the Wild Buffalo. But anyway, there's a little time damn. Time. It's literally a, a, a bar that seats fifty people. It's maybe, dude. Reverend Horton Heat and the Voodoo Glow Skulls are coming there. Oh, that's in awesome. January. I already that's got rad. my tickets. That's I'm just rad. like, yeah. Um, here's where you use that pen and paper I told you to get. Uh, been listening to a lot of comedy records. Um, I'm going to go through some names here. Number one, Cy Admonson, a record called Monday Night. Uh, recommended. Chris Porter has a new record out called Lost and Alone. He has a Netflix special, and, and uh, it's solid stuff. Alicia Cooper, Let Alicia Be Alicia. Very funny. Very sort of um, Showtime at the Apollo kind of comic funny. Sure. Sean Sullivan's Song and Dance Man. Um, that's good, good stuff. Does a lot of stuff on musicals and hilarious. 
Daryl Felsberg, Truth and Daryl. And then uh, a record I just heard last night, T.K. Kirkland called Who Raised You. Um, fucking hilarious. Way not safe for work. Way objectionable in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Um, I, I, I don't think he has... I don't know that he has many women fans. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> okay. Um, but absolutely hilarious. Okay. Absolutely hilarious. Um, as we talk next week, we, is our Halloween show, and we got a special guest on we that. We have a that special guest. Um, should that fall through, we'll just do a we'll do an, just a show. Yeah. But uh, yeah, things are going well. We got a lot of people booked. Very cool guests and a lot of fun fun stuff planned. Yeah. So uh, next week. We'll be there for that to be all spooky and stuff. That's right. Um, so that's it for the Bonus Material Podcast. I am Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary. <laughs>